Prayer is a lifeline uh, that we have to God. Prayer is an indication of our relationship with God. Prayer is a, a means of communicating with God. And, and quite frankly, we need to be stirred afresh. My own heart regularly needs to be stirred afresh um, in the gift of prayer because it's often a neglected grace in our lives. And so um, let's be honest this morning. Most of us in this room... Or is there anybody in this room that would say, my prayer life is so good, I have no room for improvement? Anyone here this morning? Anyone on live stream? Anyone say, I have no room for improvement? We all, you know, when we talk about our prayer lives, sometimes we kind of do this like, oh man, my prayer life stinks and I need to grow so much. The last thing I want you to hear today is guilt. That's the last thing I want you to hear because guilt never motivates, Right? Guilt never motivates. The grace of God, that motivates. Uh, the scriptures themselves, they motivate us. The Holy Spirit and the conviction that comes, hey, we welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That motivates, but guilt never motivates. So my intent and aim is not to make anyone feel guilty this morning about your prayer life, but I do pray, here's my prayer for you and for myself as well, that we would be stirred up by way of reminder through the Word of God to pray. And in particular, what I'm so excited about this morning is that we're going to hear from Romans 8 about how the Holy Spirit himself prays for you. Did you realize this morning that on your way to church, you have someone who is advocating for you, and it's not your, your wife or your husband or your children or your father or mother. It is the Holy Spirit praying for you. You and I who are believers in Jesus Christ have the Spirit praying for us. I think that's an incredibly encouraging word for us to hear this morning. And I've been stirred. I just want to mention these two books. I've been stirred in my study of Romans 8, definitely and primarily. However, I've been stirred as well uh, by two books on prayer that I would commend to you to read if you haven't yet read them. One is, the title is, get this, Prayer by Tim Keller. So he stayed up all night thinking of that name. Uh, the book by, by Tim Keller called Prayer. And then this one called Habits of Grace by David Mathis. Who is David Mathis? He's a guy who works at a seminary in Minnesota. He also works for Desiring God, the ministry of John Piper's uh, ministry. And his book, Habits of Grace, when he talks about prayer, it is excellent. And I commend these two books to you uh, for your study and further edification. They are great books. One of the things that I was reminded this week in this study was that in his wisdom, God has chosen to reveal himself to us through his word. You already know that. God expresses his love for us by revealing himself to us primarily through his word. He is a self-giving, self-revealing God. He doesn't have to be that, but he is that. He gives of himself to us. He does so through the word. He is a self-giving God. But he's not just self-giving this morning. And I, I, I pray this, even this, just encourages you. He's not just a self-giving God. He is a listening God. He is a God who invites conversation. He is a God who loves, in fact, to hear his children come to him and express their desires and their, their needs. It actually 
uh, deepens the relationship that we have with God when we come to us, when we come to God and pray to him. And, and prayer is, what is prayer? Prayer is communication with our Father. And who initiated this conversation? Was it you and I that initiated this conversation with God? No. God initiated the conversation with us. Therefore, he welcomes our prayer. So, so prayer is really responding to the conversation that God started through sending his son, Jesus Christ, and by giving us his word. He initiated the conversation. Prayer is keeping it going. Prayer is God listening to you. If you got an invitation to go visit the president in the White House, and you know you got into the president, regardless of what you think about our current president, if you got into that room where he sat, and he said, you walked in the room, and he said, um, all I'm doing right now is I just want to listen to you. I want to listen to what you have to say. I want to listen to the concerns of your heart. And you're in that Oval Office. I think you'd be taken aback by that, pretty much, that the, the President of the United States would want to hear you and would set aside time to put everything else off his desk and listen to you. Well, dear friends, just a reminder, big picture here. We have the ear of Almighty God when we pray. And when I say that, I, I think, why do I not pray more than I do? I, I'm not sure why. But may we be stirred up by the Holy Spirit this morning as we are reminded to pray and the advocacy we have in the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't yet gotten there, turn with me to Romans 8. I'm going to start reading for context's sake at verse 18 through verse 30. Our focus this morning will simply be on three verses 26 through 28, but I wanted to give you the focus. As I read, let me remind us all that we are now hearing the authoritative, perfect, holy word of the Lord. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning, that's an important word here, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verse 26 now in the focus of our time. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Three things I want to draw our attention to this morning. There, there could be months that we spent on this passage we just heard, but I, I want to encourage you this morning in three very specific ways from verses 26, 27, and verse 28. First of all, number one, hear this, dear friends, this morning, the Spirit prays for us in our weakness. Let me read verse 26 again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. So what is Paul, what has Paul been saying? Why did we start in verse 18? He, he's reminding us in the preceding verses that even creation itself has been subjected to futility and is groaning and longing for its completion, its perfection. So too he's making the argument with us as people, as God's crowning achievement in creation, his, his people. Uh, our physical bodies, don't they? they? They groan as they await their redemption. Uh, you know, with every passing year, uh, some of you in this room, you like can't wait for the next year, and that means you're one year older, and then maybe that's one step closer to driving, or one step closer to college, or one step closer to marriage, or one step closer to something really fun. There's some point in your life when that new year turns from like, yeah, I can't wait, into like, oh, wow, another year. Uh, another year, which means uh, I better start getting that test that you have to get around when you turn 50-something, and uh, all kinds of things that you may not necessarily really look forward to. And so, you know, just to say, uh, we're all in this place of groaning because we're longing for the perfection that will come to all believers when they are perfected in glory. But there's this groaning that takes place. There's a longing for restoration and, and for God to make all things right. Even in our physical bodies, we have ailments and difficulties and diseases and, and challenges. And, and with that comes the perplexities of life. Sometimes, isn't it true, you just, you just don't even know how to pray sometimes. You are perplexed by the, the path that your life has taken. You didn't imagine yourself to be where you are today. You didn't, when you mapped out your future, you didn't, you didn't see this as your future. And we can find ourselves perplexed. We're experiencing things we don't necessarily understand, things that actually we desperately wish we could change. And even though we've prayed and prayed faithfully, the Lord has not seen fit to change those things. And sometimes we simply don't know how to pray. Have you ever been in that place? 
Have you ever been in that place where, where your, your best prayer is like a sigh or a, a groan? And, and I don't mean in that moment, I, I don't mean like a groan, like a, a complaining, like, oh God, you've forgotten me and, and I'm just groaning here. I, I don't like the Israelites in Egypt. I'm not, I'm not talking about that groaning, that kind of groaning. I'm, I think what Paul has in view here is, is a, is an eager expectation kind of groaning. Kind of like, let me use an illustration from my own house. Uh, Ethan is, is looking forward to being married in, in 2022 and, and so he's looking forward to that, right? so. And so there's part of him, I'm sure I didn't ask him, there's part of him that's, that's groaning in eager expectation because he wants to be married to, to his fiancée. And so there's a right kind of groaning that like, oh man, this is good, but, but that's going to be really good. And that's, I think, what Paul is saying. There's this groaning when we're conflicted with the complexities of life, and yet we know that, that, that the perfect is going to appear someday, and, and we will be made like him, hallelujah. But until that day comes, we kind of like, oh, Lord, I can't wait. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's this groaning, not, not complaining, this, this deep longing within us to be completed, and to be perfected, and to be without sin, and, and to have our bodies be totally normal and, and, and exactly as God intended them to be uh, for all eternity. We will be with him. And so there's this inner groaning, and, and yet groaning still at the same time. I don't want to clean it up so much that it, it doesn't also say that groaning is, is a sign of the brokenness that we experience in a, a fallen world. Like this isn't heaven and we all know it. And so there's this aspect to groaning that, that's just like, oh man, this world has fallen and I can't wait. But, but yet there's, there's hope coming. And so there's that kind of groaning that, that leaves us sometimes prayerless. And what, what helped me so much this week, I, I wasn't planning to preach this message actually until yesterday at 11 o'clock. I was fighting with the message I was planning, and I was, I was fighting because I was going to do something in, in Acts on prayer. And, um, and I read this verse, and it's like, this is where we're going tomorrow. I want to encourage the people of God with the fact that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you. And even when you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray for, you're, you're at a loss. You have the Spirit of God interceding for you. I have the Spirit of God interceding for me. What grace that is to us. Let me illustrate it this way. I don't know who your spiritual hero is. We all have spiritual heroes of different kinds. Um, but, but imagine that you were able to sit down and share your heart with a spiritual hero, uh, whether this is someone uh, alive or no longer alive. So let me read off a few names of some potential spiritual heroes. Imagine you sitting down with R.C. Sproul or Elizabeth Elliot or Corey Tenboom or Charles Spurgeon or John Piper or whomever you might hold and like, like poof, next to God, you, you really love what they've said or what they do and those kind of things. And imagine you pouring out your life to them, and then that person who you love and respect so much said to you, I'm going to pray for you every day. 
So if I'm walking out of a room with John Piper having just poured out my heart to him, and he said, Jeremy, I'm going to pray for you, what do you think that would do for my heart? Do you think I'd be encouraged? I would definitely be encouraged if Piper said, I'm praying for you specifically every day. I would definitely be encouraged. And so would you with your spiritual hero. <laughs> Why would we, we be really encouraged about that and not immensely more encouraged with the fact that we have God himself praying for us. God is praying for you this morning. When the lights are low and when depression seems to be coming over you, when the waves of discouragement are wafting in and they're pressing you hard, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. I find no greater encouragement this morning in this text than that simple truth that the Holy Spirit, when you don't know what to pray, when you're like, it feels like you're out of gas, the Holy Spirit of God is praying for you. God interceding with God for you. Praise the Lord. Do we have reason for hope this morning? Absolutely we do. God is praying for you. And he intercedes in your weakness and in my weakness. So that's the first thing I want you to be encouraged with. The second thing I want you to be encouraged with here, the, the Spirit prays for us in accord with God's will. So let me read verse 27. That's where we get that from. And he who searches the hearts of men. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. Who would that be? Who searches the hearts of men but the Father? The Father sees, knows, the, the Father searches the hearts of men, um, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, how? In according to the will of God. So let me draw the analogy from the first point where we have the Spirit who is praying for us in our weakness. When we don't know how to pray, the Spirit is praying for us. Again, simply, we don't know sometimes what to pray. We have a hard time deciphering what's happening around us. Few of us have the ability, very few of us, have the ability to, to have experiences come to us at, at, at 50 miles an hour and know immediately, oh, this is what God's doing in this moment. Very few of us have that ability to see like that. And so the Spirit of God, when we pray, he takes our prayers. This is what this verse is saying. The Spirit of God takes our prayers and, and wraps them within his perfect prayers and offers them to God in such a way that they are in full accord with his will. Now, that's a deep thought, and, and you know, we can talk about it. But I believe that's what this verse is saying. What, what, what does this mean? It means that though sometimes you and I don't know how to pray and what to pray for, as we pray... The Spirit of God takes our prayers and redirects them perfectly to God in accord with his will. How, how, how do we get there? Well, just let's, let's follow along here. The Holy Spirit, who is omniscient, who is God himself, who knows, who knows these things, he will never pray in direct, um, directly against the will of God. He will always 
pray in accord with God because there's no disunity among the triune God. They're, they're always acting in accord with his will. So, so he's never going to pray in something that's in contradiction to the will of God. Do you see it? It's beautiful. So here's the specific and direct encouragement of this passage, is that, number one, you have the Holy Spirit of God praying for you, and secondly, that you have the Holy Spirit of God taking your groaning prayers, your sighs, your prayers that may at times be misdirected, and he's enveloping them and translating them to God the Father in such a way that they are fully in accord with the will of God. That's amazing, because I know that I've prayed many prayers that, that are, you know, I've prayed a lot of prayers that have not been in accord with the will of God because of the way things have turned out. He prays in accordance with the will of God. That, that comforts me. What does that help me to know? That helps me to know that, that through the, the course of my life, the twists and turns that have come to me as I've as I've been faithful to pray and pray about different things, the Lord has directed us. Uh, you may recall, um, this is probably seven or eight years ago, b before we bought the property on Allentown Road, um, I was you know, with you all praying that the Lord would lead us to a specific property that would, would bless the church and help the church. And, and in prayer, remember when we were looking at the school, the elementary school in Harleysville? Some of you might remember that time. I, I had, you know, um, I was just praying and I was convinced that God was going to give us that property. And so I was praying, you know, bold prayers for the Lord to just grant us that property, et cetera, et cetera. And I was, I was convinced in my mind, in my prayers, that that's what the will of God was. When, in fact, evidently, it wasn't. Because not only did we not get that building, there are 15 homes on that property now, and it isn't coming to us anytime soon. So evidently, we don't at times know the will of God. We have confidence through what this text says that the Spirit of God, when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit of God takes our prayers our groans, and translates them to the Father in the perfect will of the Father. So what does that mean practically for you and your prayer list? It doesn't mean we don't, we don't have a thought to what we pray. Oh, Lord, I'm just going to throw up prayers and whatever falls back. No, it means that we can have confidence that even as we say, Lord, Lord, I want your will to be done. Here's what I'm seeing. But I want your will to be done. We can have confidence that the Spirit of God will translate our prayers in the way that accords with the will of God. So God's will is always going to be done. We're going to move toward application in a minute, but just let me mention the third point now, and then we'll go to some application points. So we know that the Holy Spirit prays for us. In our weakness, he prays. He prays according to the will of God. And thirdly, this is verse 28, God works all things together for good. See, Paul is intentionally seeking to encourage the Roman believers here. He's, he's reminding them, Roman believers, as you are struggling under persecution, know this, that when your persecution comes to a place where you're groaning, and, and you're just longing for redemption. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. He is praying for you in such a way that is in accord with the will of God. And thirdly, dear Romans and 
I would say by extension, dear people of Grace Community Church, God is working all things for good. Let's read that verse, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I want to I put the focus just for a minute on the first three words of this verse. Look, look at your Bible in there, the first three words. And we know. So what is, what is Paul doing? He's saying, he just said in verse 26, here's what you don't know. You don't know how to pray sometimes. You don't know in your difficulty how to respond to things that come to you. There's a lot of things, perplexities, uh, complexities of life. You don't know how to pray. The Spirit does. The Spirit will pray. And here's what you do know. You do know when, when the winds of life are swirling all around you and, and the best thing that you can do is offer a groan to the Lord in, in a, a spirit-like way, here's what you do know. Dear friends, you can know that God is at work and he's bringing all things together for good. There are many things we don't know. This is what we do know, that God is at work. We know this for sure because the Spirit of God is praying. In the midst of uncertainties and perplexities, we can know that God is at work in every situation in our lives, regardless, regardless of how pleasant or unpleasant those things may happen to be. God is at work, bringing all things under subjection to his plan for good, that somehow in the mystery of his providential care over your life and my life, that he is bringing them together for his good. Why? So that we are conformed to his image, verse 28 tells us, and that we would be like Jesus and that we will be perfected and glorified one day. Verse 30 says, why? Because God is at work using all things for good. This is a hard truth, dear friends, right? Would you agree? This is a hard truth. Because some of you have experienced things that are tremendously difficult. I remember wrestling with the goodness of God as a 12-year-old kid when the police officer came to my house at 3 a.m. to inform me that my brother was dead because his car slid out on the ice. I remember that next two years of my struggle to understand how God could possibly be good. Listen to the Apostle Paul elsewhere in the New Testament and, and, and hear this afresh. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 1. In him, Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works how many things? All things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now, friends, I, I admit mystery here. How 
Why did God need to take my brother, who was an 18-year-old kid, just, just, just a new Christian, really starting to live for Christ and have a witness on his college campus? Why did God choose to bring him home to eternity and, and you know, take him from us? Well, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. But this is the truth I'm going to bank on, that it tells me that we can know that God is working all things together for good. Even when the pain cuts deep, dear friends. Even when the very good thing that you've been praying for doesn't come to pass, God is working all things for good. We can know and trust that he is at work. I want to illustrate this from uh, another catechism that this one question has brought me so much comfort over the past five years, I can't even tell you. Now, the ultimate comfort I get is from the scriptures. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes people have ways of putting words together in such a way that, that just comfort comes because it's representing the truth of the word of God. And so let me read question 27 from the Heidelberg Catechism. What do you understand by the providence of God? Answer, God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth, and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things. All things, hear this church, all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. All things. Spurgeon says it this way, trust your life in God's hand because you cannot control its movements. Rest in his arms and rely on his might, for he is able to do for you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, and unto his name be glory forever and ever. Amen. Trust your life in God's hands because you cannot control its movements. You and I don't know what 2022 has in store for us, and I trust that God has um, uh, blessings that will come to us in 2022 that take the form of pleasurable things, pleasurable blessings. But the Lord may also have for us blessings that come to us, yet they take the form of things that we wouldn't call pleasurable. May we receive both the pleasurable and the non-pleasurable things from the hand of God because we believe these things because we believe that God is at work in all things. And if God is for us, dear friends, who can be against us? <laughs> if God is for us, if he is acting in our stead, if God himself is for us, who can be against us? Who? Sickness or famine or poverty or difficulty relationally? Can those things separate us from the love of Christ? No, they cannot. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
Let me move now to a few, two words of application. Two, very simply. Number one, uh, this is what I want you, I've prayed that you would hear today. Be encouraged. The Spirit of God is praying for you. Be encouraged. The Spirit of God, right now, in your life, in your situation, in your relational challenges, in your bank account, in all these things that consume your heart and your mind, the Spirit of God is praying for you. The Spirit of God is interceding for you. Be encouraged, dear brothers and sisters. I, wa- I wanted to encourage you in this way so that it would spur you on to greater connection to God and greater prayer because you pray with now confidence, being reminded from Scripture that the Spirit translates your prayers into perfect accord with the will of God. And so we pray all the more. Be encouraged in your prayer life that God is at work and that God is moving, and that God is accomplishing his purposes. You know, uh, Tim Keller in his book uh, on prayer, he says this. I really like this phrase. He says, prayer is soul reorientation. I like that. He's saying this. Prayer reorients ourselves from being self-sufficient. It delivers us from self-sufficiency, and it brings us to God himself reminding us that we are not sufficient on our own for these things. And so that's what prayer is. Prayer is self-reorientation or soul-reorientation. It reorients our heart and our mind. And so be encouraged, dear friends. God is with you and is praying for you through his Holy Spirit. Second thing I want to encourage you by way of application, and I hope that you hear these very strong and very real encouragements, but I just want to ask you for a moment to uh, prayerfully make a plan to pray. Prayerfully make a plan to pray. So in the midst of all the encouragements that the Holy Spirit is praying for you, we still must be committed as a church body and as individuals to prayer, because to not pray is to neglect a lifeline that God has given to us. If we are not praying, we are neglecting the means of grace that God has given to us. It's like there's a banqueting table there, but we're choosing to walk on by it when we don't pray. And so I want to ask you to make a plan to pray. Now, some of you uh, may bristle at the thought of making a plan to pray because that sounds so mechanical and so, you know, non-relational. Well, you know, let me say, prayer is relational. I agree with you. Uh, prayer is spontaneous at times. I agree with you. Prayer is a talk between you and your Father, and you can do that at any time you want. I agree with you completely. But let me ask you this. Is there anyone in this room, to, to start with the questions that I began with, who wouldn't say, yeah, I'd like to grow more in my prayer time with the Lord. I'd like to make it an even greater priority. Let me illustrate it this way. I believe that you, if you, like if you're living in a home that you own, especially, um, you make a plan to pay your bills, right? You make a plan to do that. Even as I say that, I recognize today is January 2nd, and I didn't pay my bills yesterday, one of which was due. Um, uh, so I, I see, I know what I need to do tonight. Um, so you make a plan to pay your bills. Why? Because, because you like PP&L, or PICO, 
to keep the power on in your house. You like the benefit of having power in your house, so you make a plan. You put it on your phone or wherever your calendar is, or you forget, like me. You make a plan to pay your bills because you want the lights on. Therefore, it's a priority for you, right? And you make a plan to do it. If you don't do it, then they're going to switch the flip off, and you're not going to have any electricity. You're not going to have power in your home if you don't pay your bills, so you make it a priority. Well, living without prayer is like living without power, right? The power of the Holy Spirit in us, given to us, is, is enabled in a further degree through the prayers that we offer. And so the problem is we don't often think about prayer as power, and therefore we don't prioritize it in our lives. Uh, one further illustration from the book by Keller. So Tim Keller, if you don't know who he, he is, uh, he was a pastor for years and years at, at uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And at the time, he, he chronicles in his book, at the time of 9-11, the attacks on the, the Twin Towers there, he said pastoring in the city was an incredible challenge because there was this despondency that just settled on the city in the aftermath of 9-11. He said, yes, there are heroic efforts being made, and, and that, that helped to lift to some degree, but he said it was very difficult to pastor in that place where that tragedy took place. And he said, so, so 2001 was an incredible year because the attacks happened on 9-11. He was diagnosed with uh, cancer, thyroid cancer, and his wife was struggling deeply with, with symptoms of her Crohn's disease. They had become exacerbated through that year year, and Kathy, his wife, came to him dissatisfied with their prayer lives and, and says, you know, we need to pray. We, we desperately need to pray. And, and he goes on to share how she used this illustration in their desperate need to pray. And I'm going to read her words. Imagine that you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill, every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it on some nights? No, it would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget you would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. This is his wife talking to him. We have to pray. We can't let it slip our minds. When I read that and when I think about my disposition toward prayer, how, how I do pray, and I, I want to grow in my, my prayer life, I want to. But I don't pray like that. I don't say, I, if, if I don't pray, I won't have life. And I just want to challenge and encourage with this under, underarching encouragement that the Holy Spirit uh, is, is at prayer for you, and he's, he's working, and God is accomplishing all kinds of things, even through the challenges. With that as our foundation, I, at the same time, as your pastor and as your friend, at the start of a new year, I'm going to challenge you to make a plan to pray. That to set aside time that is just like, I'm going to do it, and here's what I'm going to do. it, And it may look different for you than for them, but here's the thing. Let us together make a plan and prioritize our prayers. 
because this is what God calls us to. So let me draw us to a close now. With that, I want to invite the worship team uh, to come and join me on the stage. If you're a listener to a contemporary Christian music, um, you probably know the name Toby Mac, right? Toby Mac, the guy who was part of DC Talk. He put out a song last year that was a great song of encouragement to me. It's simply called Help Is On The Way. I don't know if you know that song. It's, listen to it today. The chorus and the refrain keeps repeating, help is on the way. And that's what I want to say from Romans 8, 26 to 28 this morning. Would you stand with me as we, as we close? I, I want to remind us in our prayer lives, regardless of how you would consider your prayer life to be this morning, that help is on the way that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, moving and, and working. And if your prayers have been small or non-existent, I just want to encourage you to take the next to- step toward your God and, and be reminded that, that help is on the way, that the Holy Spirit of God is interceding to God the Father on your behalf this morning. And he's doing so perfectly in accord with the will of God And now let me encourage us by simply reading the word of God and what it says. If God is for us, dear friends, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. We have Christ as well. (laughs) Amen. Who shall separate us then from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, do you know this today? Can you say amen to this? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Help is on the way. Let us rejoice in God's help to us this morning.